how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, and more, where we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and methods of a creative life. This episode is brought to you by FreelancerClass.com. At FreelancerClass, you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money as a writer, marketer, graphic designer, virtual assistant, or an accountant from the comfort of your own home. Make a little extra money or replace your income at FreelancerClass.com. John Lucas and Scott Moore talk about their writing partnership that led to The Hangover, Four Christmases, Mixology, and Bad Moms. In this interview, the writer-director team discuss their logistics, guys' movies versus mom movies, knowing who your audience is, when a joke works, and why great concepts aren't that funny. I, I kind of fell into it. I wanted to be, uh, you know, actually ever since high school, I made like a little uh, student film. Uh, I wanted to make movies. And my first crack was, you know, when I came out after college, I tried to be an independent producer and uh, did actually get a, off the ground a couple of like just like micro budget films, but they were torture and didn't make any money. And, um, I basically failed as a producer is how I got into screenwriting. Mm -hmm. And I was, uh, and my strategy was I was writing scripts on the side and I was like, okay, I'm going to write a script and it's going to suck because I'm not a very good writer. And then I'm going to hire somebody to rewrite it. And I'm going to produce that movie. And that was my strategy. Mm -hmm. And then, um, one of my scripts got optioned for just like a couple grand, but it was enough to like quit and try the writing thing. And I was like, holy shit, I'm making more money writing than I am producing, which was producing. I was just spending money. I was just putting everything on credit cards. And so I started producing or I started following the writing uh, career um, and pretty and ended up kind of failing at that, too. I mean, I was making a little bit of money, but really not any success that I could live off of. Um, and then bumped into this guy, John Lucas. Uh, we were both working for the same guy, uh, Dan Petrie Jr. And we wrote a couple scripts together, and that's when I was actually able to make a career at it because we actually sold stuff for real money. And so basically a failed producer, but somehow managed to make a living with a partner as a writer, and so I pursued that. Yeah, the important detail that Scott left out is that his first film he made as a kid was called Salty Buddies. And <laughs> Please make sure that that title is in the article. It's amazing. It's a really good movie. Uh, we actually, Scott, was, because he's a good sport, dug it up and showed it to our editorial staff. We had a, a little film festival uh, of everyone's short films uh, in the editing bay, uh, probably like halfway through post-production, and he, he dusted it off and showed everybody. Uh, and it's it's actually it's a pretty good little movie. Yeah. It is called it is called Salty Buddies. I yeah, want to make sure it's about okay. it's about two kids who get shipwrecked. It's ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> there's like special effects and there's Legos. It's like a lot of mixed media. It's uh, anyway. 
Uh, yes, my story is not as I don't know. My story, Scott, you tell your story better than me. I don't. I don't have a ton. I just. I. I've always sort of liked writing in some way. Uh, I didn't really know how, and I don't think I had. I was never. I don't think I ever really had the temperament to be, like a like. I always felt like the guys who wrote like short stories or poetry or who aspired to write novels were all just like either smarter or certainly more erudite than me. And my, my interests were always, like, I always liked more pop culture and more, just frankly, stuff that was, like, funny and fun. And those other kinds of writing always felt a little stodgier to me. Uh, and there was something about, uh, and truthfully, I met this girl who <laughs> uh, who is now my wife who lives in Los Angeles, and I had never been to California before, and I came out here, and I was like, it just seemed like uh, the combination of loving movies and loving writing and I think a, a genuine thirst when you're 21 to just do something fun and exciting as opposed to just sort of getting a job job. You know what I mean? Like I was like, oh, I'll have, I, I, I sort of had it – it, it felt like when you're 20, early 20s, like it felt like a good time to take a risk and try something big because – I could always fall back and get another, you know, I, I, I had the arrogance to assume that I could always just get, like, a normal, healthy job uh, right. if, if if writing didn't work out. Um, and I met, I, I wrote a lot of stuff on my own, and similar to Scott, didn't have any success with it. Um, and I think it was because, I will say, to Scott's credit, like, he, he wasn't failing that badly. I think what Scott brings to it is he has really good ideas and really good, and he has really, he's very disciplined in terms of story and in terms of structure, and I was the opposite. Like, I just loved, I would just, like, come up with an idea and start writing a movie, which is a terrible, which is, like, a terrible, <laughs> terrible way to write. Right. Uh, I just wanted to write, you know what I mean? So I, I wouldn't spend that much time thinking about, oh, is this a good idea? Is this an idea that can sustain for three acts? Is this something that anyone would ever want to watch? I was just eager to write characters and jokes. And so while I, I still love the act of writing, and I think to Scott it was more like he really likes the idea of, like, crafting a story and coming up with a really interesting idea and so my weaknesses were sort of, he compliments my weaknesses, and in some ways I enjoy doing some of the things that, that Scott doesn't always. Yeah, specifically writing. <laughs> <laughs> um, if there's any lesson from my story, if, like, you're not a very good writer, find somebody who loves writing and is a great writer and team up with them, because that's what I feel like I did. And he, he's not wrong. Like, I, I do feel like I'm more sort of concept and maybe, like, structure, um, but I'm not, I'm not like the actual writing process is kind of torture for me and I'm not very good at it, but luckily John loves it and he's great at it and his jokes are amazing. Yeah, but his characters like, are amazing. I mean, so, so that team is what really, I think that team is what really makes it work. So team up with a great writer is the, the headline. Yeah, but just quickly, cause I, I don't want to be Scott to be too humble. The, like just saying all oh, you're good at, like a structure and idea, that's like 90% of screenwriting. It's like, this isn't, you know what I mean? Like so many movies suffer because they don't have they're not well-structured or the story isn't well put together or the concept was, is just kind of blah. So, mm -hmm. like, that's a huge part of, you know, that's, 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 not, that's, that's not nothing. So, anyway, let's not talk about this. That's, that's our answer, how we got into writing. Very long answer. Um, can you talk a little bit more about, like, your actual logistics? Like, what time of day do you guys write? How long are you in the room and, and that kind of thing? Um, yeah, you know, we've, we've actually always, I think from day one, and maybe because we were poor and, like, pretty sure that, that we weren't going to have careers in, in writing that worked, we have always treated it like a job. Like, we start at 9 and we finish at 6 or 7. I think the, the early days we may have worked a little longer, but... Um, you know, we definitely like you would treat, like I said, treat it like a job. It's it's got to be at least like you know nine to five or nine to six, nine to seven. 
um, in the early days, we would actually get together. Like we'd go over to each other's houses at nine and work together, sort of all day, and break the story. And then, but then when we're writing, we would be separate. You know, John would be at his computer writing, and I'd be at mine. Since we've been doing this for like 16, 17 years now, um, it's pretty second nature, and we don't really need to be in the same room. So John has a home office, I have a home office, and we just are on the phone most of the day talking to each other, talking to a story, breaking story, talking about ideas, talking about scenes. Um, But then, like I said, the actual writing uh, will each be on our own computers. And in general... You know, we'll break a scene or or we'll break a movie, and John will take the first pass because, like I said, John likes writing, and then he'll, like, do a whole pass. Like, our preferred way of writing a movie is he'll do a whole pass on the whole script, Mm -hmm. and then he'll email it to me, and then I'll do a whole pass on the whole script, and I'll email it back to him. If we have a time crunch, we'll break it up by scenes where one guy will work on one scene and one guy will work on another, and we'll kind of leapfrog, but we are sort of never working on a scene together. We find that kind of torture to be looking over somebody's shoulder and be pitching a joke and changing a line. Yeah, there are teams that do that, and I'm always like, that's remarkable to me, that you could sit side by side and and just sort of be like, okay, put a comma there, then say, it's like you would, we would have killed each other years ago if we tried to do that. I think it is interesting that every, most of the partner writing teams we know do it differently. Like, there's not, you know what I mean? There isn't like one, there's clearly no correct way. It's kind of like a marriage. Like, you just figure out, like, what works for what works for you? I mean, it seems like a lot of the comedy writers do write together and they're in the room together. Do you guys ever find yourself, if you're writing apart, do you ever have to like kind of fight for a joke or does it always kind of, you always agree on things? Um, no, we don't always agree. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of disagreement in our world. Um, but, uh, you know, jokes are tricky and in general it's almost like, I think for me it's whoever's more passionate about it kind of mm-hmm. wins. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and look, at the end of the day, it's actually so easy. I mean, we've, we've sort of transitioned into directing, too. But it's like when you just, like, we, we often just shoot it both ways, try a different joke. And then when you put it up in front of an audience, if it gets a laugh, it wins. If it doesn't get a laugh, you cut it out of the movie. And I similarly, can, you know, the, the, the first round of sort of focus grouping is with each other. So it's like if there's a joke that makes both of us laugh, that's probably a pretty good, that's probably like right. at least a decent joke. Whereas if it just makes me laugh and Scott's like, oh, this is like too far over the line, even though, you know, begrudgingly, I will often accept that and, and try to come up with something that's a little better. And mm-hmm. the truth is, when I get past my ego on that stuff, when I get past, like, my pride, I'm like, oh, I think it's great. Usually there's a better joke on the other side of that. Not always, but often there's, like, once I get past my grumbling and how no one understands how I'm a genius, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, you could, actually, you could actually reword that, or maybe there's a whole different direction. Um so, you know, but that process is always very humbling. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you guys have gone pretty far with some of the jokes. Is there any, like, I mean, <laughs> is there anything that's, like, you know, that you can think of where it was just too absurd, but it came through, or, or anything you'd like to talk about like that? There's like, Yeah, there's certain things that Scott and I don't really joke about anymore, and some of that <laughs> is, like, getting a little older and having kids, or just, I think kids, for me anyway, made me, like, a little more... Uh, what would be a good word, like a little bit more of a human being and a little more sensitive to the world. I think when you're like a 20-something guy, there's a recklessness that you have in a certain, um, that that it, it's easier to be a comedy writer in some ways, whereas you get older and you're like, oh, that's just not funny, that's just like hurtful. Uh, and I think those are the things we try to stay away from. In terms of like 
jokes that go too far. No, because again, I think now our approach to writing, our approach to writing before was always like we were writers in the service of another director. Um, you know what I mean? So it was like, you know, if we need, often we were sort of writing something to please a studio or to please a director. But now we're basically writing with the intention of directing what we write. Right. So our goal is always like, like Scott said, there's a lot less arguing because I'm like, great, we'll shoot it three different ways. I'll, we, have, we usually have an alt script going, so like. I'll just throw, if it's a joke that we're not sure about, I'll just throw that into the alt script, which, you know, on the day we'll try three different, it's very easy for, you know, actors love, frankly, having alts because they get bored of the lines. So having lots of version, ways of reading a scene, you know, like if you're telling an actor, like, here's, try with this joke, try that. It's, you, it's, it's, certain actors can nail certain things and are, you know, a little softer with other things stylistically, so... It's almost like the more jokes, the merrier. It's at a certain point. You don't have to like. Whereas, if you're writing a script for a studio, you can't add. You can't just leave five jokes in a script, or else it'll look very strange. So right. you do have to sort of. There's more fighting in some ways when you're writing for someone else than when you're writing for yourself. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, you just you listen to your gut. Like in in our movie, we have an Osama bin Laden joke, uh, and we think that's funny. And then we also had a joke that was sort of about twin towers coming down and then when we saw it, we we're like that's not funny like you just like right. it's almost like okay we crossed the line or the joke is at the expense of the wrong people or it just like doesn't make you laugh or you just don't or it makes like some people laugh but there it turns the rest of the audience off that it's pretty like i think you just follow your gut also um, there's a weird thing and this is like a real truism of writing that's really it's, it's a little frustrating but in some ways being shocking on the page or writing something that's really explosive on the page, it, everything in in real life, which is to say once you start shooting it, it gets, uh, by a factor of, like, whatever, like, by a factor of, like, ten, it gets it gets harsher. So if you say something that's, like, a little mean on the page, once you see someone actually say that thing, it gets way more mean. So in some ways, like, learning, learning like, now that we're directing, like, learning to modulate how how harsh things can be, uh, has been a, we, like we've really learned the hard way on certain jokes. They're like, oh, that would killed it on the page. It felt really funny. But then when someone actually says that, like when she says that to her daughter, <laughs> man, that seems like way too mean and way too harsh. And, and you're like, oh, that's like a lesson. That's a lesson we've learned by repeatedly screwing up um, stuff like that. Yeah, and I think, I think, and and maybe it's a luxury, but like right now, our goal is not to be shocking. Like we don't need to like get a atten- draw attention to their writing and like, oh my god, I can't believe they did that. The goal is really to be funny and to make people laugh and have an entertaining movie. <laughs> there's de- as a viewer, there's definitely a difference. You know, like you, we all kind of accept that they're picking on you know Zach Galifianakis and The Hangover, and it all, it's all is very funny. But yeah, definitely in, in Bad Moms, there's this emotional core that's there. And what was it like just writing that extra hard in this movie, Bad Moms? I think the I think it felt like a movie about a bachelor party gone wrong. That's that's the kind of movie that can be written with a certain like glibness uh, and fun because that's that's all people want from that movie. Making a really emotional bachelor party movie, I think, would be a giant mistake. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, conversely, like. Writing a movie about moms that's really glib and has no emotional core, I think, would have been kind of a letdown, not just for our audience, but just it's like it's it's about it's about something that's really important and that I think people want a, a full meal when they go to a movie about moms, whereas it's not just a like whereas bachelor party movie, you kind of want to go just to have a party, and so I think that was 
that you know the 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 topic of the movie dictated how much emotionality the movie needed if that makes any sense if you guys were in your 20s writing the hangover films um did you like kind of partner with your your wives on this new film to get some extra opinion <laughs> extra insight and that kind of thing for bad moms uh yeah 100% you know when we when we first came up with the idea we were sitting at home you know, racking our brains trying to come up with something to write about. And both John and I are married. We both have two kids. And, you know, we're just, like, watching our wives run around in this, like, stressed out pressure, you know, incredible pressure, like, trying to live up to being the perfect mom. And it it was a pretty, it's, you know, that, that world's a pretty intense world, and it just seemed ripe for comedy. And so we just started writing about our wives and pitching jokes to them and we had them read we had them read early drafts and they would definitely be like okay this is not something a woman would say this is not something a mom would do (laughs) um and then you know and then like you know even during the process like the outlining process we you know would have like a bunch of their friends over and talk you know open some bottles of red wine and talk to them about being a mom um and then, you know, we we brought on a female producer, Suzanne Todd, who was amazing, and she's a mom. And then all six women were moms, and we were constantly pulling from them and saying, hey, does this work? Does this not work? You know, if one of the actresses would come in on the day and be like, oh, my God, you'd never believe what my kid did this morning, we would just put that in the movie. Um, some of the best scenes were pitched from these women. Like the, the hoodie scene was pitched by <laughs> Suzanne Todd. Like we were like, what do moms talk about? And she's like, okay, here's what we talk about. <laughs> um, so it was all like it was the the entire movie was research, you know, in some ways we we're more like documentary filmmakers or we're just pulling experiences from the moms around us. Yeah, our biggest it's, it's, it's two things. It's really a testament to how patient our wives are with us that I remember literally telling my wife that I was going to write a movie about moms. And I could just see her be like, oh, my, I, she was so, she's so lovely and so supportive, but I'm sure in her head she was just like, oh, my God, please don't. Like, you're, you're such, like, don't, don't screw this up. And so I think the, 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 best, the best review we've gotten so far is that I think my wife really likes the movie. Um, and, but, yeah, we were very conscious that we were guys writing a movie that was, that, you know, that's about women. And we really didn't want to just, you know, there were so many ways in which we were, like, very sensitive and very concerned that we were gonna that we were gonna blow it, but I think that 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 made it more exciting to us as well, um, and more like we've we've done we've written so many guy movies, and it was sort of exciting to to leave that world and to go. And it's still obviously the movie is still an R-rated movie. It's kind of in our it's kind of loosely in the world of what we do. It's not a total departure, but um, yes, I think uh, I'm just very grateful that my wife let me write the movie. <laughs> Did you? Um, it sounds like you started at least the concepts based on your own own families and lives and things like that. After you, after some of the actresses became attached, um, did you change some of the roles as well, like or, or start writing for certain characters? Yeah, we always try to for sure, and, and that's a really good question. I think like we do, we've always found that like you know you can you can try to wedge an actor into something, but but. Like, truthfully, once they come in, you'd be foolish if you have someone as talented as Neela Kunis or Kristen Bell or Katherine Hahn or any of our actresses. You'd, you'd be crazy not to try to capture their voice and to put their stuff in. Um, I, I, Christina App, one of my favorite jokes in the movie is a joke about that TV show Castle. Uh, <laughs> and, and I don't know why that joke, 
that joke, and like, you know, you can probably imagine that Scott and I have seen this movie about a trillion times by now. Like, we've seen it so many times between screenings and editing and all that stuff. And that joke still makes me laugh. And I think part of the reason it makes me laugh is that I didn't write it. And I had no, I mean, she just came in that day and she's like, my DVR erased Castle. And I was, I was like so upset. And she's like, why does it do that? Like, why is it, and she just, she's like, I'm, gonna, I'm like, I'm like, she was like, I'm going to put that in. And I'm like, all right, I thought it was like kind of funny on the day. And I still like, I, I'm, I'm laughing just thinking about it. But that's always to us, like, it's not so much that we rewrite stuff for them, but I think it's more just allowing, like, it's like casting really funny people and then mm-hmm. just stealing their great stuff and taking full credit for it. Like, people are going to think I wrote that line, and it, I, right. I will, uh, with the exception of this interview, I will never admit that I didn't. But um, right. it's, it's great when you just hire really funny people. You don't have to work so hard as a writer. Like, they just bring, they just bring great material. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a great, like, juxtaposition scene. It's kind of hidden for, like, when you rewatch the movie as well, like a joke like that. Yeah, it's too bad the show got canceled because like, I was like, "Oh man, that joke is that joke going to be alive?" <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Do you guys think about things like that? I mean, I know you, you you said in the beginning, I think that you're interested in pop culture. Um, like, how much you try to make a film like evergreen, you know, last forever, joke wise, and how much do you touch on pop culture regularly? Uh, uh, we try not to do too much pop culture stuff because, like, you like you, like just for the reason you mentioned, which is like. That joke that's hilarious about now is is going to vanish uh, in you know in a couple of years. That said, there are some there are times like we actually I, I used to think we didn't have a lot of pop culture references, but then like looking at our movie, I'm like oh yeah we we reference Blue Bloods, which is not a show, which is not a show a lot of people talk about. Yeah, um, Game of Thrones jokes. There's going to get so like, we we try not to, but it's so hard now. I feel like everyone, I mean, pop culture is such a shared language that everyone has. It's hard not to it's hard not to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wish we used it less. Like I always feel better. To me, the best jokes are the ones that are um, that that do, it's almost like a little bit of a crutch, and I'm I'm sort of okay with a, a little bit of it. But in general, you can you can sort of use too much. It's sort of like cursing. It's mm-hmm. like a great a great curse is really just the best thing for a scene. But if you just if you're just cursing all over a scene, it gets exhausting. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It, it it sort of loses its impact. And and I actually don't mind. One of the things that I like about the movie is. Uh, uh, or I hope it's sort of of a time like it's going it, it may not like it may be dated in 20 years but it'll at least be like oh yeah that's that's what 2016 was like like I like that we do have some references pop culture references of stuff that's happening whatever on TV right now and I like that some of the songs like the studio to their credit gave us some money for music and some of the songs are songs that are like in the top 10 right now or uh, maybe right. the top 100 they're, they're coming down a little bit but I'm like oh yeah that's that's the sound of 2016. I I, I like that. I think that uh, just makes it's it true. Cool. And to Scott's point, it's like there aren't all, comedies don't survive particularly well. There are some that do. You know, mm-hmm. you look at like Animal House, which is like I don't even remember what year that was, but like that's a movie that survived almost 30 or 40 years. But it's like that's because that's really like a true classic. But a lot of a lot of like you know sort of like pretty good comedies fall off as time goes on and. Uh, in some ways, it's like maybe maybe trying to make a movie that's going to last 50 years as a comedy is maybe a fool's errand anyway. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, some of the songs you mentioned, how did that montage come about? Did you guys write that as is, the uh, supermarket scene? Uh, or some of that, like, yeah, added? Yeah, actually, added you know, to, to, 
to come up with some of those montages, it actually has to be pretty scripted, at least to the extent of you know what your little vignettes are going to be. Right. And then we take the actresses. They're like, okay, in this aisle, here's what we're going to do loosely. And then we just cut them loose. And we're like, okay, in this aisle, here's what we're going to do. Um, so there was definitely, I guess for that scene, there was definitely an outline, <laughs> loosely what they're supposed to do. Now, now the women, to their credit, they're like fearless and amazing actresses and would throw themselves into any scene. And that scene in particular, they just went for it. Mm-hmm. Um so you get a lot of, you know, crazy, like, spontaneous moments on the day, which is great. But absolutely, you got to have an outline for that. Yeah, to your, to your question, though, like, I do think things like montages and, things, like, things that really require a lot of production. And we only, we only shooting a supermarket, which we thought would be incredibly easy, turned out to be one of the hardest parts of our production. Mm-hmm. Because supermarkets, supermarkets, A, don't like to close. Um, and B, they like they don't want you like destroy <laughs> destroy their store. <laughs> Shockingly, I don't know why. Uh, so we luckily found one uh, that was pretty cool with us. And they, but but you usually have to shoot at night. So like things like that where you're really on it. And we only had one day, and that's a pretty that's a pretty big montage to shoot in a 12 hour day because we you know, had a lot of slow mo stuff. We had a lot of there's a lot of lighting stuff that had to go on. There's there's a couple stunts that happen, so you have to swap people out. There's just it's a little, it, that was a very long day, mm-hmm. um, and so things like that where you're really on a tight schedule, it's like you do have to be a little more. You know, there's days you walk in and you're like, okay, this is like kind of a free for all, and the actors can have a lot more fun. And, and then there's other days where it's like, okay, we're going to be pretty we're going to be pretty on book because we just have to make our day to day. But yeah, like Scott said, within what we like within what we were doing, they still could. You know, we didn't write Catherine Hahn hitting quite so many people. Uh, she seemed to really enjoy slapping people, and uh, it made us laugh. So uh, there's like things like that within a scene that you know the characters, the actors bring a lot of fun, fun stuff. What's something that maybe you wish you had known back in like 2008, right before you know Hangover came out, Four Christmases came out? Something you've learned in writing um, or even directing that you'd like to touch on or pass on to people that are coming up in the business now? Oh my God. So much stuff I wish I knew. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, you know, John touched on it. Well, A, like, uh, I would, if you're taking advice from people, I would not take advice from us. But um, John touched on it about concepts. I think we've been pretty diligent about really putting our ideas through, uh, I don't know, the crucible or really like hammering them and poking at them from every side to try and find out if it's a good idea or not. And even with as diligent as we are, often we'll write a script and it's terrible, that I think that first step, like before you sit down and spend six months or a year on a script, make sure it's a good idea, that that's the step that I feel like a lot of new writers will just jump in right away. And, and um, you know, like John and I, like right now, like we don't, we don't have anything we're working on, so we're constantly pitching each other movie ideas. And I'd say every day we pitch, like we probably – are pitching five to ten movie ideas each of us. So we're coming up with, you know, say, ten to twenty movie ideas a day. And most, I would say almost all of them, 99.9% of them are terrible. But we'll talk about it, and they'll be like, hey, that's not a movie, or it's not going to work, and here's why. Or, or that's a great movie, but only five people will watch it. Nobody else in the world is going to care about it. And we just keep doing that day in and day out until we hit one that we're like, wow, this is undeniably... Uh, a great, entertaining, fun movie that both of us would be happy to spend, you know, a year of our lives on. And then we'll write that. And even at that level, there's a good chance it turns out to be bad. 
Um, but I think really spending the time to make sure it's a good idea before you write it is, is something that new writers should be doing. Yeah, I totally agree. I think like I like we started the when you asked in the beginning the interview thing of the interview like the process of I, I you do see a lot of scripts out of young writers that are like here's me and my friends and we were in a cabin and this is us like talking about our lives and stuff and you're like okay that's going to be a super cool movie for you and your friends but <laughs> like it's you need to, if you're going to make a movie at cost like that you know movies are expensive to make and it doesn't mean you have to necessarily make a super mega commercial idea, but no one's going to make your movie if you can't recoup at least what they paid for. That's that's not even like a business thing. That's just like a normal, that's just like, that's a fair request of a studio. You know what I mean? Like yeah, and even, even if it's a small indie movie like straight to iTunes for a million dollars, a million dollars is a lot of money to ask somebody to put up, and they're going to want to know that they're going to get that million dollars back. Yeah, right. and so to us, it's like what, trying to hit it, and I think, you know, with, with a lot of, uh, not a lot, but some of our earlier stuff. It's it's just really important to know who your audience is. Like, is there an audience for what for the movie you're making? It doesn't have to be every single moviegoer in the world. Um, though certainly movies, certain movies do do hit that. If you, you find you, that idea, write that. Yeah, <laughs> if you have that idea, by the way, yes, you're way better than we are because we've never written one of those. But I think you know some of the stuff of ours that's been the most successful has been has come from like we firmly know who our audience is, and then frankly, if you do a good job at that. Other audiences will find your movie. Like Scott and I often laugh. Like, there's tons of guys. Every guy I know has seen almost every rom com and you know every good rom com. Like, like, they don't just. Yeah. But that movie was probably made predominantly for a female audience. But then men will come to it because, like, oh, you know, I've heard this is good, or I'll be with my girlfriend, or I'll be with my wife, or whatever. Similarly with The Hangover, it's a movie that's very clearly made for young men. But yeah. I, I know so many women, like older women, younger women, who've seen it and enjoyed it because it's like they committed to that. They they knew who their audience was and they made it for them. So it doesn't mean that you have to make it to the exclusion of other people. But I think it means you have to movies that are sort of made for like it's a movie for whenever you hear it's a movie for everybody. You should immediately be like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, that's not good. <laughs> like who who are you really making it for? Is is a great question that I don't think we asked, or certainly I didn't ask enough when I first started writing. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys can touch on this together or separately. But what do you find to be the most difficult step in the writing process? Probably what Scott just said is coming yeah. up with ideas. I, I think there's so, it's so, there's so many ideas that Scott and I come up with, and we're, look, we've been doing this for a long time now. We come up with a lot of ideas that are kind of, and what Scott pitched actually was not earlier, was actually not the biggest problem, which is coming, coming up with ideas that are horrible is actually okay, because it's very obvious when they're a bad idea. The hardest part is we come up with a lot of ideas that are like, eh, that's, that's probably a movie. I could imagine that's a movie. Right. And it's how do you have how do you that that difference between like what's a movie that you can really make into something great and fun and different, and then just a movie that's like uh, sort of a piece of commerce or just feels like it's 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 programming. Um, that's really really that for uh, that for me personally is really really hard because you'll come up with an idea and, and you're like you literally can't. I'm like I can't wait to pitch Scott this morning. I'm gonna tell him this idea and you pitch it and I'm like I know it's a movie, but then you're like oh it's just it's just a little it's just a little not different enough or it's a little or it's a little too different, and no one's really going to see it. It's too, it's sort of too esoteric. Um, so for me, coming up with a good idea—that's to me the, the, the hottest commodity. If we had someone, like if I had someone in my basement who just like little elves that came out and gave me ideas, that would be truly the greatest gift. The actual act of writing, once you have a great idea, I don't think movies write themselves. But if you have a great idea, man, it's a lot easier to write. And when mm-hmm. you don't have a good idea, the script kind of fights you the whole way. Um, 
especially around page 70 when you're like, you, you, can usually get it, you can usually just push through a movie by being sort of funny and interesting, but at a certain point, there's a certain page in every script, I think, where if it's not a good idea, it reveals itself, and it's a horrible, it's a horrible feeling. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree with John. Like, coming up with the ideas, I think, is the hardest part, and I think because, uh, among other things, because there's no... There's no craft to it. There's no science to it. There's no. It's it's hard to get better at it, or it's hard to improve how you're doing it. You you just need to keep like trying to think of stuff. Whereas the writing process, at least like you know, as you're writing and you write a scene, it's bad. Then you can just rewrite it and like you try different things and let's try a different line of dialogue and maybe over here, maybe let's make it shorter, let's make it longer, let's throw in a character. Like there's all sorts of tricks and tools and ways to work on the writing. But man, I don't know how you work on coming up with better ideas. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so if you know the answer to this, we would love to know. We would like to hear it. <laughs> um, that's the hard part. And because when when you come up with an idea, it's so kind of magical. You know, you're just like walking down the street, or you're in your car, or somebody says something at dinner, and you're like, "That's an idea." But I, but it's just like, you know, it's it's almost an accident. So I don't how, I know how you make accidents happen. Yeah, you can't replicate it. It's not like, oh, this is how I got the last idea, so I bet that'll happen again for this one. Yeah, so I'm going to get the family together. We're going to have the same dinner every night, and you guys say the same thing, <laughs> right. and we'll come up with a bunch of ideas. It doesn't It doesn't work that way. And similarly, whenever you meet a producer or a writer or anyone who's like, I got tons of good ideas for movies, you're always like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> what are some of your cinematic influences, or what kind of films do you guys watch over and over again? Ooh, that's good. Uh, my answer is pretty boring. Uh, I sort of grew up on the, you know, the Star Wars and the the Indiana Jones of it all, and that's what was really exciting going to a movie and just being like thoroughly entertained and engaged and excited. Um, and that's where I wanted first got you know m- my love of movies. Um, I think as far as movies that I love that I'm doing now, I, I still really like Groundhog Day. I feel like that movie is a whole meal. You know, it, yeah. it's really, it has great characters. It's funny. It has sort of an interesting structure. You feel like, you kind of like makes you think about life a little bit differently at the end of the movie. I think, I think it's just fantastic. And I think that's a comedy that to me really holds up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to do something like that someday. Yeah, I think I would say I grew up more, like, I always sort of loved comedy, the comedic aspects of, like, you know, I, I recall just, like, whole friendships in high school based around Spinal Tap. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, right. or Caddyshack, and just, like, quoting the movie over and over to the point where we must have been so annoying to everyone around <laughs> us. Um, right. But those those comedies felt like the, a real source of, it sounds crazy, but those comedies felt like a real source of community with people. Yeah. You know, your friends... You know, like, it's the same way kind of like music was when you're a teenager. Like, music was so important, but it's like someone who liked the same band you liked was like instantly, it didn't matter, like any other quality. They could have horrible, every, like the other 99 qualities could be terrible, but they liked, you know, they liked the same band as you, and suddenly it's like, oh, we're bros. We got, we're, like, we're really tight. <laughs> right. And movies were kind of the same way. Like, they were this language that you had, and you, you were sort of like, the grown-ups didn't quite get it, and it was kind of like your little, it was like your little way of communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the great comedies, whether, you know, Spinal Tap's one of our Caddyshack was one that, God, you just couldn't stop quoting Caddyshack for like a whole summer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those kinds of, I'm not sure if those were cult movies, but they, they felt like every, it felt like every guy, I, every kid I knew growing up was watching those same movies. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the Harold Ramis comedies, obviously, Jim Brooks movies as I got older, Cameron Crowe, all those movies just felt like so, they were just like worn in, like you're, they're like a perfect pair of jeans. They like just, they felt, you just put them on, you're like, oh my God, this feels like this movie was just, there's nothing bumpy about this movie. It's just, it's just, it's just perfect. Um, and I would love to, I'd love to hope to aspire to, you know, make something like that someday. Um, is there any like one piece of advice you give particular, particularly to comedy writers? Um, I, again, like all, all, all my, uh, I feel like all my thoughts are boring or cliche, but I think to comedy writers or to any writers, like the trick is to just keep writing that it's, you know, it is, it is a muscle or a skill or a craft that you get better at the more you do. And so, um, you know, just like if you want to be a writer, keep writing. And it, I think if, if, um, you know, if, if that seems like, torture to you, then maybe you shouldn't be a writer. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say for comedy in particular, though, I would say that uh, and I, it took me a while to learn this, and again, something else that I think Scott, working with Scott has really helped me, is a lot of great comedy concepts for movies are not that funny. And if your idea for a movie is really, really funny, it, it sounds counterintuitive, but you may actually be on, down the wrong track. You may be writing a sketch. Right. Sketches are always really funny when you pitch them conceptually. And you'll see this, and I, well, I won't name movies, but I think we can probably all think of certain movies where it's like, oh, my God, it's such a funny idea for a movie. Right. And then you're like, you're about 30 minutes in the movie, and you're like, oh, my God, am I really, am I really watching this whole thing really just going to be about this? Right. And that movies actually need to – most com- like you can actually look at a lot of good comedies, and if you pitch them as a drama, they still kind of work. Um, or even as a thriller. You could actually argue The Hangover as a thriller, like I've lost my friend. It's basically Taken <laughs> or something like that. But there's probably right. a dramatic version of The Hangover. It might not be very good, but at the core yeah. of that movie, there's a real dramatic, there's a, there are stakes and there's a dramatic storyline underneath that carries the movie through. Because if, if you're going to entertain someone for an hour and a half, it can't just be a funny, it can't just be a sketch. And I think a lot, when I was starting out, a lot of my ideas were really just sketches that I was stretching into an hour and a half. And they were sort of, by the end of that hour and a half, it's pretty tedious. Like it's exhausting because there's no there's no meal there. Um, I don't know how useful that advice is, but you know, for, I, I could have used that advice certainly when I was starting out. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter to get your free download of the ebook "How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block," which includes advice from writers such as Aaron Sorkin, William Monahan, and Carrie Fukunaga. The newsletter will also keep you up to date on future episodes, new articles, and more. Sign up at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com.